Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemper Oper in Dresden, Germany. Since work starts back up this week, it's time for me to finally fulfill my promises and get back on track. This episode is the conclusion of our two-part series on Greek diction. Sorry that it's taken so long, but it's been a huge summer for me work-wise, and then an amazing summer back in the States where, of course, I had forgotten to bring all of the files and the information to be able to work on the podcast. But I'm back in Dresden now and getting back into the swing of things again. In any case, this week, Lydia Zervanos joins us to discuss the digraphs that affect the pronunciation of modern Greek with the texts to Katos Donaio Sidero, which you might recognize better as Lava vers l'église from Ravel's five Greek songs, and another standard Greek song, Onaos, the temple. We'll concentrate on the changing pronunciation of the letter Rama, NT becoming an, a phonetic ND, and what happens when two vowels come together in Greek. I have good news and bad news about Lydia's Greek diction guide for singers. The bad news is that I tried the link to it last evening and it didn't work anymore, claiming that we needed a login to be able to view it. The good news, though, is that Lydia will be publishing a full-on Greek diction book soon. According to her last email, it should be coming out in 2014, and as soon as it is, I'll make sure to post about it. In the meantime, I did find the texts for today on different websites, so at least you can follow along. One way that I used to practice my Greek was to listen to Greek pop music. My Greek friends always laughed at my taste in their music because they found it a little too simple. But I like the songs whose texts repeat a lot because it makes me feel like I understand better. So next time you open up Spotify, type in Minos, M-I-N-O-S, and under the album's listings, you should get several of the recent pop collections from Greece. For anyone interested in learning more of the Greek language, one of my favorite resources is the podcast Learning Greek from the Hellenic American Union. If you've studied a little Greek and need to practice your listening, or if you're taking a beginner's class in Greek, this podcast seems to follow almost identically the pattern that all of my books used in the materials they covered. But they do it in such a ridiculously fun way that you'll never forget. The cast of characters is made up of a group of friends, but there's a narrator's voice who chimes in once in a while, saying the most colloquial phrases in a way designed to make you laugh. His name is Xenophon. And just as an example, when someone says she's going to the periptero, the kiosk, for some ice cream, he says, La pagoda. I love ice cream. In another episode, someone talks about how much work they've had to do lately, and Xenophon chimes in saying, I feel like a corpse. Obviously, these phrases have stuck with me for a long time, and they come in handy on occasion. The Greek language books that I've used were called Epikinoniste Linica, Communicate in Greek, and they're completely in Greek, which is, I think, the best way to learn it, because it doesn't force you to constantly shift between the two alphabets, which could make life confusing. I'll post links to all of these resources at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or on Twitter at Diction Police. Our first text for today is the second song of Ravel's five Greek songs, Katos Donaio Sidero, or in French, Laba vers l'église. 
According to his biography, Ravel composed these Greek songs in just two days to help out a friend who was giving a lecture on Greek folk song. After composing the original five, he was given three more texts to set, so that there were actually eight that he composed in total. The five that were published were first performed in Greek and then translated into French in 1906. While originally written for piano, they are often accompanied by harp or guitar, and Ravel himself also orchestrated them. Κάτω στον Άγιο Σίδερο, στον Άγιο Παναγιά μου, στον Άγιο Κωνσταντίνο, μαζεύγονται, σοριάζονται του κόσμου Παναγιά μου, του κόσμου γιαντρωμένη. That was Lydia Servanos reading La Valveglis. This is the Greek title, of course. We, we actually don't know this by the Greek title, but this comes from one of the five Greek songs from Ravel. And my first question to you was, should we sing these in Greek or should we sing them in French, since we all know them in French? I think it's totally legitimate to sing them in Greek, as Ravel, to my knowledge, uh, wrote these songs having in mind the actual Greek melodies. These come, stem from folk songs, Greek folk songs, and they were really well known, the, the actual words. So he wrote those down and made uh, notes, and then he asked for a translation and tried to put that into the melodies that he had heard. So he so turned the French to match the Greek. Yes, exactly. But the, the melodies themselves are the melodies, mostly the, the actual folk song melodies that would have been sung in Greece too? Yes. So he just basically changed the accompaniment. Yeah. We wanted to concentrate on a couple of things with this, especially the letter gamma. Mm-hmm. The letter gamma, the difficult letter of the Greek language. Exactly. Which to us would be a G. But yes. it's and it looks I mean basically we the phonetic letters that we use are the Greek letters. So when we write a gamma, it's mm-hmm. basically the same letter that we mean phonetically when yes. we write an IPA. Exactly. It is actually placed exactly where the G is. Only we let more air through, so it creates that r sound. As ga ra ga ra, you can interchange it, and then you get the sound. Yeah, it's almost uh, to me in some ways it almost feels also like the French R. Yeah, but it's a little more forward. Yeah, it it raises the tongue and it t- touches the soft palate, mm-hmm. and then you let the air through. In the, I guess what we would say would be the third line of the piece. Mm-hmm. We we get this rama in the middle of a word. Mazevunde. And you can hear it's it's not a big sound. It almost you almost don't even hear it. Mazevunde. Yeah. It's a. It's always like that with the Greek language. We kind of let it flow through, so we don't really hit every single consonant so much so that it actually sounds like mazevrunde. Yeah. So uh, if you actually flow through the vowels, then it just creates that airy sound. Yeah. And there you can hear it, and it's, it's not even intervocalic because it looks like it's intervocalic because it looks like there's a U before it, which is an Ypsilon. Yeah, but it's not. Exactly. <laughs> because it, it is just a combination of vowels who, out of the progress of the Greek language, it ended up being in the modern language still written Epsilon and Ypsilon, mm-hmm. but actually pronounced because of the following consonants, Rama mm-hmm. is pronounced Ev. So. And we have, that's a very standard thing in Greece, or in, in Greek, right? Because mm-hmm. we have the epsilon and then the epsilon, which looks like an epsilon and a u to us. Mm-hmm. And that'll become ev or f. Depending on what consonant comes right after. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the other vowel that can happen with this a, is, is oh, yeah. the alpha. Alpha. Yeah. Yeah, it's either af or av. Yeah. So in this case, we have mazevunde. Mazevunde. And again, and again, we have another digraph. 
Another yes. combination of two letters that makes one sound in this word. We have two, two vowels, two letters that form one vowel, mm-hmm. the O and the Y. And that makes U. Yeah, always, right? Always. Always, unless we have uh, an actual, the two dots, mm-hmm. the edices. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top, so that kind of separates us, but that's a rare occasion. For O and U. For O and U. Yeah. And following the O and U, mm-hmm. which is one sound, mm-hmm. we get the ni, which looks like an, a V, and we would say like an N, mm-hmm. and the taf, which yeah, is a taf. T, and that also is a digraph. Yes. And it can be either D or N. Yeah. So in this case, because we have it in the middle of a word, it is N. Phonetically, N D. N D. Yeah. If it were at the beginning of a word? If it was in the beginning of the word, then it would be D. Yeah, then it would just be a plain old phonetic D. Plain old D. Yeah. So we had the E, Epsilon, Epsilon, then the gamma, O, U, N, T, which becomes D. And now we have Alpha, Iota, mm-hmm. the A, I combination. And that's always an A. Always unless, an Epsilon. Unless you have a diaresis again. Yeah, or and an accent marking. Or an yeah. accent marking on the first vowel. Yeah. And that's more common than the O, U. Yeah. So, um, and it's most likely found on verbs. Yeah, this is a very standard verb ending, yes, right? Yes, Be- And you can see that because the next word has exactly the same ending to it. Yes, and he has uh, used that um, exactly for that reason, for the poetic flow. Yeah. So we can hear that it's exactly the same rhyme yes. structure in that sense of the verb. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we've had a couple of digraphs here mm-hmm. in a row, and we have one other combination that can change. We started out talking about the gamma. Mm-hmm. The gamma isn't always a, a gamma, right? Yeah. When, the, when the letter G, when yes. the letter gamma, yeah. is followed by, I think it's iota uh, and epsilon. Yes, iota and epsilon. And when we say iota, it's not just iota, it's also eta and also epsilon. So any of the E it's sounds. It's actually E vowel. And, and actually the same thing... Uh, and also the same the thing a, with the E. So any combination, of like, the, like the alpha, iota, the AI. Alpha, iota, also an a. It's an a, it's exactly. a phonetic s, so it will always change this. Yeah. And what does it change it to? It softens it a little bit, so uh, it actually becomes a little more forward. Mm-hmm. So again, you go for the vowel, so the tongue flows forward to open up to the vowel. So again, in this example, for instance, it's panaya. You can you can actually see written gamma yota alpha, but you actually pronounce gamma and yota almost. At the same time, yeah. to go to the A. It's a J-glide then in that sense. Yeah. It's just in the way we do a J-glide. Yeah. Later in the song, now we have this phonetically for ourselves because we're looking at a project that she had done for the presidential scholars mm-hmm. and on Greek diction for singers. And we have a fun little J with a hook on it here yes. at the ends of it or over the word gamma omicron iota, G-O-I. Mm-hmm. When there is a small word like this, when the actual vowel has to be mentioned, so you use E, it's Omicron, Epsilon, another digraph. Exactly. Um, you have to actually uh, depict the consonant. So you can't just say it's a J-glide because it's an actual consonant. So, so I had to make the distinction in that. So that's why I started using this palatalized version of uh, the gamma. Yeah. So uh, you again go for the, for the vowel, so the gamma, instead of being ri, which you can't do, then it's yi. It, yeah. The tongue flows forward, and then how it's produced. Yeah. So you can hear it, and it's very similar in that sense to the German yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Es ist, äh, äh, ne, es ist. <lacht> <lacht> ja, es ist. Um, ja, genau. <lacht> it is exactly like that. It's a more present sound. It's, that's why it's not a glide. Yeah. And that's why I have used both symbols in different situations. Yeah. When I have to actually say this is a consonant that just gets a little softer, I use that little squiggly line. Yeah. But if I say that this is an E that has turned into a glide because of the consonant that comes before, then I have to put the, uh, the J. Just the regular J. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, and as you said, the Omicron Iota is another form of... Digraph. Of a digraph that, that just becomes a, a lowercase I. Yes. Just a closed E, e sound. E vowel. Yeah. And again, in this last line, we get this O-U combination quite a lot. The Omicron yes, Y. Yes, very, very common. Yeah. So we have tu, kosmu, and everything ends that way. Yes. I mean, the, those two Cosmo end. Andromeni. And we have the Y, but then we have Andromeni. And then Andromeni. we have again the, oh, the Omicron Iota at the end of the Andromeni. Um, yeah, which is plural for the ending of Andromenos. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's always at the ends of uh, adjectives you'll find most likely this Omicron Iota combination. Exactly. And while we're on that sentence, the word for world is Cosmo, but it's written with a, a sigma, it's written with an actual S. Yes, it is uh, written with an S, and it's one of those um, assimilating uh, or changing, anyway, uh, consonants where before certain other consonants they will be voiced. Yeah, so in this case, the S becomes a phonetic Z. Yeah. Constantinos. And again, because it's in the middle with the, after a con- it's in the middle of a word, then it's an N D, yeah, right? Yeah, but it's a softer version because uh, actually, when you are going to sing it, you shouldn't really emphasize the N in the beginning, okay. and that's also common for all the consonant combinations. It's you are going most likely for the one that that's at the, at the end of the combination. Okay. So you don't really stop to say D, because that would be a little too much. Yeah. For the modern Greek ears. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On the previous episode, Aris Argiris talked about the combinations of nitaf and mi pi. And here we had another chance to hear that nitaf as a phonetic nd, or if it's initial in a word, just as a d. I wanted to reiterate that this phenomenon also occurs with those letters mi pi making them into a phonetic MB in the middle of a word, or just a B at the beginning of a word. Now, these vowel digraphs probably sounded really complicated, but they do follow very strict rules. Alpha Iota is just a phonetic open E, the same as the letter Epsilon is in Greek. Watch out, though. Alpha followed by the Ita, which looks like an N with a sort of long tail on the right, is not a digraph. So each letter maintains its identity and would be transcribed as bright A followed by a lowercase i. There are many, many ways to spell the closed phonetic lowercase i sound. In the regular alphabet, the ita, which is the N with that hook that I just talked about, yota, which looks like an i, and ypsilon, which looks like a u, are all a closed e lowercase i sound. With the digraphs, there are also several ways to create the e sound. The two most common ways are epsilonyota and omicronyota, which looks like an oi. Ypsilonyota also makes an e sound, but it's very rare and is often dropped in modern Greek. The omicron ypsilon combination, ou, just like in French, is always a phonetic lowercase u. 
The epsilon has one more function in Greek. When it follows the letters alpha or epsilon, epsilon becomes either a phonetic V or an F. Which it becomes correlates to what is following the epsilon. So if we have epsilon, epsilon, followed by an unvoiced consonant, like in the word for thank you, then the consonant will be an unvoiced F, F charisto. In the case that we had here, the epsilon, epsilon is followed by a gamma, which is voiced. So epsilon becomes a voiced V sound, mazevgunde. All of these vowel combinations, however, can be eradicated by the use of accent markings. We mentioned it in the interview, but I'm not sure that we were very clear about it, and I don't think I talked about it on the previous episode. It's one of the great things about the Greek language that every word with more than one syllable has an accent to indicate which one is stressed. In the case of a digraph, the accent mark should be on the second of the two vowels, or in an unstressed syllable, there won't be any marking at all, so the digraph automatically functions together. But if you see two neighboring vowels and there's an accent marking on the first of the two letters, then both vowels maintain their own phonetic identity. Or, in an unstressed syllable, the letters yota or ypsilon could have a diaresis, which is two dots, just like an umlaut, to indicate that it isn't part of a digraph, but its own letter. You might even see both markings, a diaresis and an accent, on the same letter to indicate that the second vowel not only maintains its own identity, but is also the stressed syllable. The example that Lydia has in her research is taizo, I feed. So always be sure to look and see where the accent markings are in the word and base the vowels and vowel combinations around that. Just like Italian and Spanish, the Greek G, gamma, is softened, even more than it already is soft, <laughs> by phonetic closed lowercase i and open epsilon e sounds that follow it. And that includes the digraphs, too. The word for chao in Greek is ya, gamma, epsilon, yota, alpha, g-e-i-a. Since the combination of epsilon, yota is a phonetic e sound, the gamma will soften into a j-glide, and all we really hear is j-glide bright a, ya. Our second text is Onaos, the Temple, set by Manolis Kalomiris to a text by Kostis Palamas. Kalomiris founded the Greek National School of Music in the early 1900s and has some 80 songs to his credit, plus several Greek operas, as well as an extensive list of orchestral and chamber works. Την αίσθηση στη σκήτη σου στον ξεροβράχο απάνου και έζησες εκεί μονάχος κάτω από τον ολόβαθο ουρανό, μονάχος με την προσευχή. Στην πέτρα απάνω ακούμπαγες. Περνούν τα χρόνια. Φέγγει μέσα σου ο Θεός. Με το ιερό σου τάγγισμα βαθούλωσε και ο βράχος και έγινε ναός. That was Lydia Zervanos reading O Naos. And this one, one of the things that... that... I, we talked about before was the letter kappa, the K, mm -hmm. and when the K is before a soft vowel, an E or an E, mm -hmm. a phonetic E or yeah. an E, so yes. no matter how it's spelled, yes. it's, a, it's a different sound. And I know when I was taught, when I was first learning Greek and my friend Lefteris was always laughing at me because he was saying, doesn't that sound wrong when you say K, K, K? And I'm like, well, no, because in Italian I would say K. But in Greek, it's different. It's in a different place in the mouth, right? Yes, it's a, a completely different. It's again a palatalized version of the letter K. 
So it's more forward and it blends with a vowel that comes after it. Uh, I always like to think about it as a blend and not a consonant that it's attached to a vowel. So because that actually helps the brain to actually create the combination much easier. Yeah, so you put them in the same place. Yes. Yeah, and we get that in the third line of this. Yeah, ke, 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 ke. Ke, 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 ke. it's it's pretty much exactly where in in Czech I would say the T, right? Yes. It's that that palatalized Yeah, and you actually, what's the phonetic symbol you've been using for that? Is a C, the lowercase C, the lowercase C, and uh, that makes it kind of easier. I mean, it, you can actually see it on the board, so you see that it's a palatalized version and it's, it has been classified like that. Yeah. Exactly. And as opposed to in the next line where we have the kappa followed by an alpha, which is just mm-hmm. phonetically K and A behind each other, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's a normal kappa. Kapu, kapu. In the other song, we had seen that epsilon, epsilon mm-hmm. becomes a phonetic epsilon followed by a V mm-hmm. or an F. Yes. And in that case, we saw the V version. We saw the voiced version. And here in the one, two, three, four, fifth line... We have the the unvoiced version, right? Where, yeah, exactly. In the word prosevki, um, that comes from the word prosevki, actually. So it's again uh, a play of words um, <clears throat> or spellings. On this line, we have the word prosevki, and uh, we see epsilon and epsilon together. And because it's followed by a lowercase kappa. Yeah, because uh, it's followed by a hard yes, sound. A, yeah. a, a, what is it? What's the word? An unvoiced consonant? An unvoiced consonant. In this case, I'm using the lowercase c, uh, mm-hmm. phonetic. Well, yeah, because yes. it's followed by eta. By, by an e vowel, an eta in this case. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have prosevki and uh, it's epsilon f, e f, yeah. phonetic. Exactly. So this epsilon itself will devoice to match exactly. the unvoiced consonant that's after it. Exactly. One, just a little reminder here, is in the second and third lines, we have two letters that we never see in America. And mm-hmm. the one the one kind of looks like, like a really, really fancy epsilon, actually. It's got like a yeah. big tail at the top and then a big tail at the end of it <laughs> with a big capital E in the middle of it, right? Yeah, which is a, not, a, a very simple way to explain it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a C, it's, a, it's a, an X, let's say, for English speakers. Yeah, so the, phonetically a KS. KS, exactly. Which is not to be confused with what we've already heard here in the third line. With a zeta. Yeah. With, with the, a z sound. Exactly. Yeah, because it, it, it actually some people will write it the same way and then will just add a middle line. A little bar in, through it. A little bar through it. Yeah. So that's made the distinction between xu and z. Yeah. So this, the zeta looks like, I guess you would say, look like a big capital C with a, with a tail at both ends mm, of yes. it. <laughs> exactly. One of the things that I notice in this is that we get both the end with the tail on the right and the end with the tail on the left. Yes. <laughs> in the seventh line, we get basically a, an enye, yes. the end with the tail on the exactly. left. Exactly. And that happens because we have an n, a written n, Greek n, and then a yota. And those together, when the, the palatalization happens, then they create that sound, so it has its own special symbol. So I decided to just keep that in instead of writing an N and then a J-glide. Right, right. And the word is? Chronia. Exactly. And you will see this on any, if you have any Greek friends on their birthday, you say Chronia Pola. Exactly. <laughs> and in the next line, we get the N with the tail on the right because we get one of the coolest things ever, two Ramas. Together. Back to back. And those uh, are one of the double consonants, as I call them. The word is Fengi. 
And when we have two gammas together, uh, as opposed to gamma and kappa together, which is another version of the same thing, mm -hmm. uh, then we have the N with a with a little tail on the right. Exactly. <laughs> and the and the G, uh, and it creates that beautiful sound fengi. Yeah. So you get, but you again, you don't really linger on the ng. No, it, it's always uh, a passing through. That's the beauty of, of the Greek language. The same thing with the Italian. Of course, the Italian has the double consonants where you stop, but with the Greek, you just flow through everything. What distinguishes the native speakers from other people is that you can actually uh, know when that happens, and you will not say peggy. Right. Instead of fengi. Yeah. It's just a tiny little bit in the yes. thing there. Yeah, exactly. And what I think is really amusing is as you were saying that, mm -hmm. I was noticing that your S's are very aspirate. Yes, and they <laughs> are. Because they are in Greek. Yes. In, and when, of course, when that translates into English, I hear that in, in the English when you speak sometimes yeah. too. <laughs> it's difficult to go back and forth. Exactly. But when you, when, at the end of a word like, frajos, frajos. then you hear this. Yeah, there's a little bit of aspiration there. Yeah. Aspiration. Aspiration. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. No, but that's an important thing because it really, that there again, that is one of the colors of the language to me. Mm -hmm. And the same with other consonants, with tough, for instance. It's, it's not the, the German t that comes completely in the front. It has a little more air to it. Yeah. There is something worth mentioning on the seventh, eighth line uh, of the poem. We have the word iero. Which is, what is it, iota, epsilon, rho, and omicron. And you could potentially, if you go too fast while you're reading it, say iero or iero, make it too fast that it sounds a little bit like a J-glide. Okay. But it's an actual different, it's one of the words, the rare occasions where we have two vowels together and they preserve their uniqueness, so it's iero. Ah, so you actually almost have three syllables there, iero. Yeah. So it's a beautiful word, actually. Yeah. Holy. And as we go <laughs> on, again, we have the OU combination, the Omicron mm -hmm. Y, which makes us USU, mm -hmm. which is also, again, standard. Lidiamu, Elena, Elenaki, Mu. Yeah, exactly. And Elen, Su. Mu, Su, Tu. Exactly. All of those are all, you'll see them all the time. And the next word, we get our double G again. We get our double, double gamma and an S before. A mi. A, a mi. Which would be as M. Yeah, which is the voiced mm, the voice Z. And in the very last line of the piece, again we get our C, mm -hmm. and we get it followed by our very fun Y, the J glide with a little hook on it. Kajine naos. Yes. Kajine. And we have again the the palatalization of kappa, which becomes a lowercase C for uh, diction purposes, and then we have for the gamma, we have the squiggly line for the J glide, because it's an actual consonant. And then it's followed by, by uh, a vowel that we want to preserve. Right. So uh, we use that one instead of just a J-glide. Again, just like the letter Hama, the letter Kappa follows similar rules to the Italian and Spanish letter C. When followed by phonetic bright A, open O, or U, Kappa will just be a regular K sound. When followed by an open epsilon sound or the closed lowercase i, e sound, kappa will soften. The difference is, in Greek, the soft k sound is not the ch sound that we're used to in Italian, which Greek does not have at all, but instead becomes the palatal phonetic letter c, 
which we've talked about before on the Czech episodes of the podcast. The word for and in Greek is ke, and it shouldn't sound like the Italian ke or the Spanish ke. The tongue should be much further forward with the big fat middle of the tongue up on the hard palate. Ke. We do get both of our fun ends in Greek. The palatal N, whose phonetic letter has the tail on the left, happens when N is followed by the letter Yota plus another vowel. In a word like chronia, which means years, and even in the phrase I said at the beginning of the episode, gnothoptoma, you can hear that the N is just like the N in the Italian word ogni. The same thing will happen to the lambda when it's followed by I plus another vowel, making it the phonetic letter lambda, as in words like ella, olive. The N with the hook on the right happens sometimes in the combinations of rama rama and rama kappa. If they occur in the middle of a word, they will have both the N with the hook on the right and a G, not a K. When Ramakappa starts the word, though, there will be no ng and g sound at all. Instead, it'll just be a regular hard g and not the softer rama. To make life just a little more complicated, both of these combinations also follow that same Italian-Spanish softening rule. So when Ramarama or Ramakappa is followed by an epsilon or the lowercase i, there'll be the upside-down lowercase f which is the voiced version of the letter C. Remember the letter C is K, like we heard in K. So the upside down lowercase f is the voiced version, so G, just like with a D in Czech. If this is all ridiculously confusing, just remember what both Lydia and Aris have said. The consonants are very gentle, so we don't need to hang on to them too long. Just keep them high in front. I tease Lydia a little bit about her sibilant S, but it's one of the sounds that really brings Greek to life. We mentioned it briefly, but I wanted to reiterate that the letter sigma, which is usually a regular unvoiced S, will voice if the consonant that follows it is voiced. Again, it's not a long sound, but a very gentle voicing, and it can happen even when the next consonant is part of another word. In the Learning Greek podcast that I've been talking about, the intro says, Oxenophon sas mathenia limica. Sas, sigma alpha sigma, means you. Matheni means teaches. And if you say them separately, the sas is unvoiced, like in yasas, the polite form of hello. But together, that sigma will voice to match the M of matheni, sas matheni. I hope these episodes have given you the bug to learn a little Greek, or at least check out some of the fabulous Greek songs. As you can tell, it's my favorite of all the languages, and I can listen to it and talk about it endlessly, but that's all the time we have for today. The next episode will be a mini-episode with a little more help on rolling our R's. In the meantime, to find out more about Lydia Zervanos and when her book will be published, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a good rating on iTunes or post about it on Facebook and Twitter so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next time.